if it's two in the clock in the morning and you hand the specialist that's guarding the motor pool a box of reds and a white monster, he'll probably look the other way. <laughs> Welcome to sustainment. Today, by the end of this, you're going to be able to understand what the principles of sustainment are, what the different classes are, you know, how you're going to be able to acquire sustainment and what different forms of sustainment are going to look like that you're going to, you would have to deal with as a guerrilla fighter. So to get off, to get off the ground with this, um, got to understand that without an active supply line, um, a fighting force cannot operate for long. It's the equivalent of just getting, like, choked to death, you know, asphyxiated. That's recent. Yeah. So recent uh, example would be the initial push of Russians into Ukraine. Right. That massive supply, you know, failure, you know, mainly talking about their fuel line. It stopped the entire red wave. Yeah. On the side of the road. 100%. They, They completely outran their coverage on that one. They just, they, they pushed so hard, so fast. They did not study the Germans when they did their Blitzkrieg. Even the Germans had their issues with supply, but at least they made sure that they could resupply, re, repersonnel, all that stuff as quick as possible. So sustainment is, like, it is critical. It is absolutely critical. Um, so as a gorilla, this is your natural target. That's what you're going to be aiming for. You want to choke the life out of whatever force it is that you're engaging or having to deal with. Um, it is also one of the gorilla's greatest weaknesses because if you can't resupply your ammo, your food, your water, even building materials, you're kind of screwed. You know, uh, the enemy supply lines it, they have to be hindered, while the gorillas has to be secured. And that could, and that could. You know, look like several things that could look like a uh, uh, more stereotypical supply line, you know, trucks, ships, trains, what have you, some, you know, supply on foot, setting up a supply line, just uh, what you can make town to town. But the gorilla has more, more flexibility in that area. So being a irregular force, you can resupply off of your enemy's supply line, capturing material, capturing personnel, resupplying off of deceased forces, always keeping in mind that if something is too good to be true, it is. Oh, 100%. We talked about that last episode with you know Operation Eldest Son. But, you know, like you said, hindering the enemy's resupply and securing your own. Mm-hmm. So, principles of sustainment, we're talking about integration, anticipation, responsiveness, simplicity, economy, survivability, continuity, and improvisation. So we're talking about integration. We're talking about combining the sustainment elements within your operations. So Redbeard Tactical did an excellent post on the actual structure of a militia type force. Uh, You check them out on Instagram, but your food, your water, ammunition, clothing, everything, 
you need to be able to move that through your force. You're not all, you know, pipe hitters. You're not all, you know, attacking forces. You need to be able to move everything seamlessly within your, within your structure, within your organization. That goes into public relations as well. You can provide your local populace with food, water, security when the, when the state or the, you know, the, uh, the overbearing force cannot, that's a huge win for you. Anticipation. So you're looking forward to your different operational requirements and you're anticipating uh, necessary actions to meet that demand. Responsiveness, your ability to react and respond to changing requirements, changing mission sets. Simplicity, you're trying to boil down the, the active sustainment, the active complexity to a more refined process, more refined procedures so that you don't have as many failure points. Yep. Quick, fast, and easy. That's what you're looking for. Yes. Economy. So you're, like we said, doing everything efficiently. The less forces, the less manpower, fuel that you need to keep sustainment running, the less you have, you know, the more you can give uh, to your forces. Survivability, protecting all your assets. So that's your redundancy. That's, you know, making sure you have a secondary and tertiary route if you're encountered with an obstacle or enemy forces. This also goes into deceiving your enemy. So if you know the enemy has intelligence on your preferred route, you could send, you know, if manpower permitting a force without any supply that could lead to an ambush. You're you're having to anticipate all of these things and make it work to your advantage. Continuity, uninterrupted provision. So your forces will always need food, always need water, always need ammunition. Make sure they get that. And improvisation, so adapting to unexpected circumstances. So put those redundancies in place. Make sure you have the survivability. Make sure that instead of relying solely on one means of transportation, solely on one route to your forces, that you've worked in the secondary, these tertiary uh, redundancies. Sustainment needs to happen. Right. And there are different classes of supply that we're talking about here for sustainment. Um, most of this only applies to um, the military. This is specifically stuff that we had to understand what the hell they were in the army. Um, it's. I'd say it's easier for a conventional force to, to focus on these. Right. Because they have those logistics in place. Exactly. Um, we're just going to list them here to give you a broader idea of what sustainment looks like. And because you can utilize this in a resupply request, you know, if you have to deal with a conventional force or even if a civilian population uses resupply requests and they have some kind of idea of what the military kind of structured their resupply like. It also helps with the structure of accountability. Right. So being able to report on, you know, if you capture something, what you captured, if you found something, what you found, you know. Absolutely. So getting into this, class one is food and water. Class two is clothing, individual equipment, and tools. Class three is fuel and lubricants. Class four nice. is your construction materials. 
Class 5 is ammunition of all kinds. Class 6 is the personal domain items, so you're talking health and hygiene, snacks, non-military items. Uh, class 7 is your major items, so your items ready for intended use, so your launchers, your tanks, your uh, different shops, your vehicles, what have you. Uh, class 8 is your medical, so your health and welfare items. Class 9 is your repair parts and components and your maintenance support. And class 10 is your non-military program support materials, so your agriculture and economy, uh, your development. Uh, this is not included in classes 1 through 9. Consequently being very important for a guerrilla force. All right, and I just want to talk about uh, different lines of sustainment. So your first line, your second line, your third line, and we just add in sustainment that you that you keep in your in your vehicle in your mode of transportation. So first line is designated for survival, and that's what you carry on your person all the time. Uh, in the military, this looks like just your basic medical, basic care under fire tourniquet, bare bones stuff, water, maybe a emergency blanket, ammunition, ammunition. Second line. Your load-bearing equipment. So when we were in the army, your plate carrier. I see a lot of guys running around with belt kit now. That's your mission essential items. So your night vision devices, spare ammunition, more medical, uh, signaling devices. Third line, your ruck, backpack, assault pack. That's your 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 sustainment load. So your sleep, extra food, anything that help sustain you in the fight for an extended period of time without being able to go back home or get resupplied. Your creature comforts. So your sustainment in vehicle is... Vehicles are just... They're an incredibly versatile tool. If you're going to sustain from your vehicle, I recommend just keeping like heavier stuff in there, stuff that you don't need all the time or you don't need on your person at that time, but you can still resupply from that vehicle in a quick manner. So that could be anything from fuel. That could be large supplies of water, large supplies of food. It could be heavier weapons that you don't need right off the bat, like larger shelter. Yeah, larger shelter, exactly. So nobody wants to carry around a tent. Also, like you were saying, with uh, with armament, not just heavy weapons, but, you know, armament for your for your network, for your team. Right. You know, if we knew a guy in, you know, when we were in who would carry two handguns on all the time in case he was with a buddy, he could oh, God. pass off one to him if he didn't have it. It's not... You know, good for him. I thought it was great at the time, but it's not exactly practical. No, it's extra weight for sure. Yeah, but if you carry, you know, an extra two or three handguns, extra rifle, you know, that that's a huge difference if you, you're caught out off your base or away from home, you can, you know, resupply your buddies. Yeah, that could even be a full small, that could even be a, a force multiplier. Because you go from one guy being armed to then two guys being armed. There you go. Oh, for sure. That's your bounding. That That's everything. Mm-hmm. And then, quick word on resupplying from the environment and the dead. As with anything, if it's too good to be true, it is. We talked about this last episode with Operation Eldest Son, where CIA would leave uh, undefended caches or you know magazines that had been uh, sabotaged to explode in there and... and in their enemy's weapon system. Yes, resupply from the environment if you're able. Yes, resupply from the dev if you're able. But always be aware. Use your good judgment. Yeah. <laughs> always be aware. Yes. Check everything. 
if it's like like you said, if it's too good to be true, it is. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. There's been so many um, historical accounts of bodies being booby trapped, uh, mm-hmm. weapon systems being booby trapped, uh, yeah, ammo being booby trapped. I mean, thank you, CIA. Good job, guys. Make everybody well, paranoid. Well, and you know, I think that was the that was the point of it. You know, not really to make a body count, but if you know you get resupplied ammunition and it takes you a while to get there, are you gonna have second thoughts on using the ammunition or just your weapon system? You know, if it could blow up in your hands, I think that yeah. was you know the whole psyops was the was the biggest takeaway from that. Yeah, psychological. Yeah, psychological operations like it's, uh, it's a bear. Yeah, I think we'll talk about it later. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to talk about that here, but, for sure. Yeah, but um, one other thing with that. So we live in the states. The most prolific weapon system here is the AR powered rifle, right? But looking at resupplying from you know from enemy forces from the dead, weapons familiarization. You need to know how you use an AR, but should know how to use an AK as well. You should be able to identify different ammunition too, because if you are unfamiliar with something yes. and you load the wrong rounds into your weapon, that's going to have disastrous effects for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know I beat this over the head in every episode, but do it again. If you, <laughs> but if you can, if you find a weapon on the ground, you need to be able to pick it up and use it. It should be a natural function. You shouldn't have to think about it. Just nail down these basics and, you know, everything could be a resupply, potentially. Right. All right. So, caches. Caches are concealed pre-positioned supply drops, essentially. So, they're normally placed along your route travel, different concealed or uh, armored positions where you can resupply en route to a location or as a contingency or emergency resupply. So if you set up a cache near your home and your home gets raided and you, you know, all of your arms in your home are gone, then you would still have that cache to be able to use for yourself and your network. The IRA was really good at this because they would take weapons and bury them and forget about them. The joke was always that you could... The IRA were like squirrels, you know. They never knew where they buried. I was going to say nuts. no disrespect, but they were like squirrels. Yeah, yeah. it was always they would always hide that away. Uh, the book uh, "Fry the Brain" has an excellent uh, case study on that, and there, yeah, I think, in the initial case study, the IRA attacked a uh, uh, police convoy, but they, you know, pre- procured their their arms from a nearby barn that they had buried who knows how many years ago. Right. And if you, if you do something like that, if you bury them, you need to be able to make sure that once you pull those weapons out of the ground, the ammo out of the ground, that it's going to be an operational condition. So a lot of times when you bury something like that, you need to cover them in some form of oil because if water gets in there, that will rust. And that is not good for anything. I think the best way that I've seen it done is a guy completely broke down his rifle, oiled the whole thing, and then he uh, he sealed it in a food saver. So like the oh yeah vacuum like vacuum yeah vacuum sealed yeah yeah vacuum sealed it, 
And then he placed those vacuum sealed pieces, so individually vacuum sealed, put the pieces in a PVC pipe, which he, you know, fixed together, threw in a few, uh, you know, oxygen tabs in there. You know, the, uh, what is it called? You know, just, you know, the tabs that uh, pull oxygen from the, you know, from a container. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He threw a few of those in there, and I think it was like 10 or 15 years. He pulled it up and it was good as new. So, yeah, that's a consideration with caches, of course, is to uh, ensure that you're protecting whatever you're, whatever you're squirreling away. Right. So, you know, pelican cases, <laughs> PVC pipes, oil. If it's metal, oxygen is the enemy. Water is the enemy. Yes. If you're talking about food rations, you know, animals are the enemy. Well, oxygen too oxygen yeah all of that so take all that into take all that into account so different considerations for caches your placement obviously if you're trying to place that along your route where you're expected to be conducting operations in your neighborhood make sure that it's concealed make sure that it's protected concealment we already talked about that you can hide these uh, caches in plain sight a good uh, utility for that would be like utility boxes on power lines mm-hmm. depending on how brave you are <laughs> uh, risky for the biscuits uh signature so if someone can pick it out from the environment by sight obviously not good right. smell you have to expect dog teams and something that a lot of people don't think about is thermal yeah if you're you know if you have a container filled with warm air two feet underground that's going to that surrounding area is going to have a different thermal signature than the rest of the ground around it. Right, exactly. And also, one more thing is that if you dig something up, the ground is going to be disturbed once you put it back, and that is a good, easy way of picking a cache out. So you need to keep that in mind too when you're doing that. Yes, and also, you know, in this day and age, your metadata. So if you're trying to squirrel away a cache probably shouldn't have your phone with you right oh good lord do not bring that if you need coordinates bring a garmin you know get your coordinates or brush up on your land nav yeah you also need to keep in mind um the elements if you're in an area where there's regularly like flooding or tornadoes flooding (laughs) hurricanes heavy snowfall rain whatever keep that in mind because you need to have your supplies in a container that's going to protect them from those elements. You also need to keep in mind the, sh- the shelf life of your supplies. If food does go bad. It will spoil. But you need to know how long it's going to take for it to spoil. Everything spoils eventually. <laughs> exactly. And you need to do scheduled checks. So you need to check to make sure that your stuff is still there. You know, somebody could have watched right. you and have dug it up and taken that supply and buried it somewhere else. Or the authorities could have gotten a hold of it if you're doing something sketchy. You never know, mm-hmm. but you need to check on that stuff. It doesn't matter or it could if be it's sabotaged. It's, yeah, exactly, exactly. Just like you do regular weapons checks, maintenance, upkeep, just to make sure that that weapon is still operational. You need to do the same for your supplies when you bury them. You need to have discipline in all of these in all of these realms. You have to treat this like it's your job because someday it might be exactly. And speaking of your job, uh, there are different types of unit-specific caches. So there could be sets for your team or your group. There could be sets based on your 
operational environment. There could be sets for your mission set, whether it be um, sniping, being an engineer, being a breacher, uh, assault teams, heavy weapons, whatever. Right, and we say that because so when people think of caches, they think about you know, squirreling something away for years, yeah, years and years, not touching it. Then oh, I, I, you know that you know you're really pigeonholing yourself when you think of caches that way. When we're talking about mission specific caches, this could be for as little as a day, two days. It, a cache could be something as simple as a duffel bag in a you know pre planned spot, right? A dead drop, you know, a dead drop, exactly, right. A, a great reference for that would be um, any of these movies that you've seen. Uh, one pops into mind, uh, Sniper, you know, Mark Wahlberg. Or no, Shooter, sorry. One that pops into mind is Shooter with Mark Wahlberg. How he had his dead drops with, say, his explosives. Like, he planned ahead of time where people would come. And this is this is something entirely different, but it's the principle. You know, he planned ahead of time of routes that were going to be taken. So he had explosives set up. So that when people flow through uh, those areas, they would go off. So it's the same principle right. with caches. You need to have them so that as you're going and you need them, you know exactly where to go because they're on your route. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to cut you off mid, uh, mid-sense, mid but uh, John Wick is another great example of that. Yes. The original when he's in the tunnel system. Yes. You know, presetting a shotgun on, you know, this corner or just, you know, like you said, he pre-planned his route. Well, that was, and, uh, what, three? What? I thought that was number one. Was it? It's no, no, no. Because he killed the lady, didn't he? That was that was either two or three. I think it was two. Oh no! The first yeah. one was the, the no, he had the right, cache right, buried he was in his the, garage in the scene. Right? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking. I think or his basement. Was it was in his basement. Number two. Yeah, yeah. It was his basement underneath the cement block. Yep. Yeah. What a flex, by the way. Yeah. But, right. All that gold. Oh my god. <laughs> But, uh, you know, then again, a long-term versus a short-term uh, solution. Right. And then we also wanted to quickly touch on setting up a supply line. Yeah. So as a so as a conventional force, this is really easy. Oh, God. You have hundreds of guys, thousands of guys with as their sole job, you know, to set up and maintain a supply line. So your locomotives, your aerospace your ships, Humvees, whatever, is all set up. You have an SOP for that. With a guerrilla force, you don't have all of that, all those logistics. So you have to figure that out for yourself. This could be you and your buddy with, you know, an alien ruck going the next town over to friendly forces. This could be, you know, you stealing a truck and using that once to get a large item to a neighboring town or to your friendly forces in their operating area and then dishing the truck, you you need to think outside the box with this. Right. But above all else, maintain OPSEC. Maintain operational security. The less people that know about something, the better. The less people that know about your route, the less people that know about your drops, the better. As a girl, of course, you're going to be operating you know, within the public sphere. So no matter how careful you are, someone's going to see you. Yeah. So you need to maintain excellent public relations. Yes, because the public could be doing your drops too. They could be establishing your caches and just telling you, hey, this is where something is in case you need it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and the public you know, will largely be a huge part of your uh, 
your information network. Absolutely. If you play your cards right. And like we talked about earlier, establishing establishing your redundancies, your contingencies in your routes, your caches, you know, different supply selections. So there might come a time where you can't use AR powering rifles because they're just not prolific enough in your area. So with that, that just means that like you need to research ahead of time. You need to scout out. You need to do a recon of that area. You have to know what forces are going to be there, what supplies they have themselves. It's This is such a long game. It's such an involved long game that you you have to take all this stuff into considerations into consideration if you're going to be doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, and like you just said, you know, knowing what the enemy has. So that's your salute report. Right. You know, reconnaissance, supply, caches, patrol bases. Like you said, it's the long game. Right. You're we're we're going for survivability here. But of all but above all else, you need to establish, maintain, ensure the security of your supply lines. Because like we said in the very beginning, just like you would be trying to disrupt the enemy's supply lines, they're going to be doing the same thing to you, especially once they figure out that you're there. That kind of thing happened with the French resistance, the Dutch resistance during World War II. That kind of thing happened with um, the Viet Cong in Vietnam. The same thing happened with the Taliban in Afghanistan. You know, we were trying to disrupt their supply lines. They were trying to disrupt ours. I mean, it goes all the way back to siege warfare. Right. Right. Uh, absolutely. The same. So, supply is everything. I've, I love the uh, the metaphor you used earlier. You're, you're strangling the enemy. Yes. The enemy may not even have to see you, and you can defeat them if you take out all their supply. Right. It's it's the same thing the Ukrainians were doing to the Russians. They were hitting their... that. <laughs> How long was that supply line that was backed up? It was like it was 40 miles. Something stupid. Yeah. And they were just hitting but, that thing. But what was the what was the result? You had farmers driving off with tanks. Right. <laughs> like I want you know, a tank. I want a tank. You know, the government doesn't tell you this, but tanks are free. You can just take them. Yeah. I have twenty tanks in my garage right now. You know, Humvee oh, Jesus Christ. Humvees don't have keys. Humvees you heard do it here not first. Have keys. If someone, if you're in the army, if you're in the Marines, Navy, Coast Guard, whatever, and someone tells you to go find the keys for the Humvee, they're lying to you. Most of the Humvees out there do not take keys. There's a select few that do. I have not seen them, but you can literally just run in there, hit the starter, and drive off with that thing. If it's if it ain't locked, it ain't secured. Take it. It's yours. If it's two in the clock in the morning, and you hand the specialist that's guarding the motor pool a box of reds and a white monster. He'll probably look the other way. (laughs) Just saying. So guys, key takeaway from this class, establish and maintain your survivability, the survivability of your supply line. The whole long game here is disrupting the enemies and securing your own. So establish your redundancies, establish your contingencies, make sure that, you know, whatever the enemy does to try to disrupt your supply line doesn't take out everything. Right. Understand how to establish and maintain caches. Uh, utilize what you can with your environment, with your locals. Whatever you can do to provide a supply line to your fellow gorillas, use that. Whether it be a donkey, uh, ATV, whatever. Even if it means hoofing it on foot. Just 
establish something, keep it secured, and keep the machine rolling. And with with anything and everything, always maintain OPSEC. Absolutely. If you don't have OPSEC, you don't have anything. Probably Is not going to have your life either. <laughs> it's that simple. Guys, main reference for today was ADP 4-0 sustainment. If you're still here, thanks for joining us. This has been Hard Times Strong Men talking about sustainment. Like, download, share with your friends. Thanks for everything, guys. We appreciate you. Stay safe and be better. Bye, everybody.